Godzilla made a beat, so it's go time. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Core 4 Podcast. We are a podcast on SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, uh, along with Starting 5, 3ND Network, 3ND Live, excuse me, and GBB Live. You can find us on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Nathan Chester, and today I'll be joined by Grizzly Bear Blues Senior Staff Writer, the purveyor of positivity, Bryce Hayes. What's going on, Bryce? like that nickname yeah yeah that just came i did not like plan that for you at all it's like perfect alliteration it just came to mind immediately I like that i think that's a good good name for me i try to keep it positive mm-hmm. not, it, does, it doesn't do us any good to focus on the negative but i'm good man how are you i'm, I'm doing good man i can't <laughs> complain uh I, i've been finding that i've been irritating a lot of people on social media <laughs> here recently and um I will say I didn't expect to be attacked by the entire Orthodox Jewish community last night on Twitter, but uh, (laughs) if you want to go check my profile, you're more than welcome to go see that for yourself. But I'm more interested in seeing how I can irritate people with Grizzlies takes. Like at the end of the day, I have my faith. Um, I'm a pastor. I go to church on a Sunday morning. I believe you go to church. Where, Where do you go to church, by the way? Oak Spring Baptist Church out in Arlington. Okay, that's cool. Like, you're going to go to church on Sunday morning. You know, we're all just doing our thing, and I'm appreciative of that. Uh, how I want to irritate people on a daily basis is through um, my thoughts on the Memphis Grizzlies. And so that, that's going to be kind of our main priority here. But when we're talking about the Grizzlies, things have been going well. We, we just had a nice little seven-game road trip here that really went better than any of us could have expected. Um, the Grizzlies went four and three over that road trip, getting some surprising wins. There were a couple setbacks along the way, a surprising loss to the Clippers. Um, the Grizzlies continue to struggle in clutch time against pretty much everybody that they play. But here they are. They're sitting tied for the eighth spot in the West of the San Antonio Spurs. They had the tiebreaker, and they trail the Portland Trailblazers by a half game. A half game or one game? It's a game and a half now, but it's only because Portland's played more games than the Grizzlies. Sure, a game and a half, and they're playing Portland here tonight. So, Bryce, what, what's your what's your thoughts about everything that's been going on here recently? Um, well, to start with the road trip, I'm going to quote our football mantra a couple years ago. You got to finish, and the Grizzlies have struggled with that. I mean, part of it, yes, is because they're a young team. You know, I know people don't like to hear that, but – yeah, they got to finish games. Like, this team really should be in a driver's seat for six instead of us focusing on trying to get to seven. But outside of that, like, you can't complain because that road trip looked terrible on paper. Like, that's four and three, even though it could have been six and one, is something that they ought to be proud of, even though, like I said, it could have been better. But I can't complain. I know people will complain about – the losing the close games and now the rotations not that they're healthy people complain about this player or that player not playing as much as they personally would want them to play outside I'm not complaining I think that seven is something that 
should be obtainable, but six should still be the goal, even though it's getting made hard when Luka Doncic is finding ways to make shots every other night to completely demoralize his opponents. Yeah, uh, something – I think this is something we took for granted during the grit and grind era. You don't remember the Grizzlies ever really getting beat on buzzer beaters during the grit and grind era, did you? Like, there was that one no. in 2017 when things were starting to go awry and Harrison Barnes hits that banked-in three for the Dallas Mavericks. And there's a couple others that I could probably go back and think of if I thought long and hard enough about it. But the Grizzlies were known for being great in clutch time throughout the grit and grind years, far more than their just game-to-game plus-minus would suggest that they should be. And I really think it came down to the defensive end of the court. And maybe even now, we don't give Tony Allen, among others, their props for just how great they were at locking down other teams' opposing stars. Because it feels like both this year and last year that Memphis can play great, and yet an an opposing superstar just enforces their will at the end of the game. And and there's just nothing they can do about it. Luka Doncic was an example. Dylan Brooks played great against him two weeks ago, but at the end of the day, it really didn't seem to matter. Um, Going back to the Orlando bubble, it was like, Every night they were getting buried in like the last three minutes of the game. Brandon Ingram buried them. DeMar DeRozan buried them. Pascal Siakam buried them. And it's just like, you know, I guess we got to hope that John Jaron get up to that stratosphere because right Right. now they just seem helpless against those types of guys. And so that's the thing. I think they're probably going to hover. I think they'll finish as the seventh seed. That's probably my prediction right now. San Antonio is tied in the eighth spot. Their schedule will take care of itself if you right. take, you're taking a look at it. Even if they face some resting opponents, like they're going to fall off here, short of something drastic happening. Uh, but Memphis has got an easier schedule than Portland. They've beaten them twice. They have a solid shot against them at the time of this recording at home later tonight. So they've got that. But there's something just so mm, – it, it, it freaks me out the thought of playing Luka Doncic or Stephen Curry or really even Zion – not Zion Williamson, but just any type of superstar. Yeah, the Pelicans don't have a shot. <laughs> I don't no, know they why. don't have a shot anymore. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why I'm bringing They don't up. have a shot, but if they somehow magically found their way in, it would terrify me because the Grizzlies – for some reason, can't beat the Pelicans. No, despite the fact that everybody else in the league can, the Grizzlies just have nothing for the Pelicans when it's time to play. I don't know. It's like there's chicken wings on the basket whenever Zion Williamson sees the Grizzlies. That man is hungry every single time. My goodness. But, like, there's just nothing. It, 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 it freaks me out with the thought of them playing against superstars and in the play-in. And that's going to be something to really interesting to see how it works itself out once the time comes. I want to give my guy Dylan Brooks credit, though. Like, those two games in Portland, he stepped up. Like, I fully expected once those games got close, ah, here comes Damian Lillard. That didn't happen. Damian Lillard was a – I'm not going to say a non-factor, but he wasn't the Damian Lillard that strikes fear into opponents on a night-in, night-out basis when Mm -hmm. Dylan Brooks was on him these past couple games. And hopefully that's the case tonight, too. Yeah, and I think he's going to continue to go out there. I think when he guards Damian Lillard, you're going to see that same mentality. I think it's interesting to see how Lillard will respond to that because this has been slowly building now here over the last week, bit by bit. It's escalating a little bit, so you wonder going into the third game, if tensions will finally boil over. Even Lillard's already talking that talk about how, like, this is going to go one of two ways as of – 
I, I don't give Lillard much of a, a chance in that scuffle if it came down to it. But, uh, like, it'll be interesting to see how tensions could boil over when it comes to that. But tonight is an important game for seeding. It's an important game among matchups. You're going to continue to see how the Grizzlies fit together against another team that is also vying for playoff position. Uh, what have you thought of Jaron Jackson Jr. so far? It's fine with me. He's yeah. healthy. He seems to be having fun. I'm content. I know you're going to harp on the fouling, but that's that's still him. He's still young. It's going to happen. Some of the, I'll, I'll give him credit. Some of these fouls aren't stupid fouls. It's more of ticky-tack fouls that I don't see why they called them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's still been the fouls like, okay, Darren, you're, you're better than taking that foul. Sure. But at the same time, this is a guy that hasn't played in, what, eight months? Yeah. He's playing fine. And he looks – he's starting to get comfortable playing with, these, with this team. So, I'm content. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think he's been everything you could have hoped for him to be. I was afraid of him just – I didn't expect him to look like Justice Winslow, but looking like a significantly regressed version of himself offensively the last year, that was something I was worried about. But that's not been the case. The jump shot's going to come along. Like, it's very clear he doesn't have much confidence in it in the moment, but that'll come with time. Uh, The fouling issue, my reputation precedes me there. I I will say, like, he does get some ridiculous whistles, but I made a point to – my co-host Parker Fleming, we were watching the uh, Denver game the other night, and I was watching the way he defends Jokic. Jaron, the way he defends one-on-one just absolutely bothers me. Like, he does not put his hands in a legal guarding position. He's got his hands, like, extended straight out, almost on the opposing big's waist whenever he's chest guarding somebody at the free throw line or off the wing, and it's just like – like, and do I think he gets a lot of bad whistles and he doesn't get much leeway? Yes. But I also see how he gets himself into trouble time and time again. It's just like, you know, man, it's it's year three, and I wonder why that – I'm going to defend him on that because I'm going to guarantee you I know where it came from. Yeah. Where do you think it came that, from? Is that. Because <laughs> that last generation, you could defend that way, and it wasn't um, a foul. Yeah. That, that's from being taught that from a young age, and it's just one of those things that's going to be tough to get rid of after doing it for 18, 19 years. But I also think now that Jaron has developed physically the way he has since he was last on a basketball floor, he needs to use that body. Like, he's a bigger dude than the last time he was out there. He's, what, seven one now? Mm-hmm. Put on some weight. Use, his, use your body. You're not – the small six well obviously he was never small he's six foot eleven but he's he's more muscular he's put on some man weight since he was last on a basketball floor you can start using that now yeah and it'll be interesting to see him do that um he's gonna be fine um he's gonna I I think they need to go ahead and move him into the starting lineup Uh, I I think tonight will be tonight yeah hopefully it will be I don't really see the purpose in continuing to bring him off the bench. If you want to stagger his minutes, that's totally fine. But I think it's important for him. It's for anybody who's played before NBA or even recreation, it's a totally different type of energy and rhythm when you're starting a game from the opening tip than it is when you're coming into the game cold turkey six, seven minutes into the game. It's a different type of mental preparation. It's a different type of energy for you. And I think he needs to go ahead and get properly acclimated to that starter energy. So I'm right there with you and hoping that like that becomes the case sooner rather than later for him. Now, we talked a little bit about Grizzlies rotations even beyond 
Jaron Jackson Jr. Tyus Jones has now been out of the rotation for three games now in favor of Justice Winslow at the backup point guard slot. There's a lot of talk about, you know, it's not about whether that's the best move to maximize the Grizzlies bench right now rather than it is finding what Justice Winslow can be for this team both now and going forward. Where do you fall on that debate? Do you think there's wisdom in that? Or do you think the Grizzlies can find other ways to acclimate Winslow without taking ties out of the rotation? I see the vision as far as what they're trying to do. You know, I've been a staunch supporter of expanding the rotation to 11. They're never going to play 12. You know, I know mm -hmm. people don't want X to fall out of the rotation for a long period of time, but they're never playing 12. 11, I think they can pass with Dylan. But as far as justice, this has been fine because this has all been a trial period with Jaron on the bench. Jaron's not going to be on the bench much longer. Mm -hmm. So once he starts, I think we'll see even more experimentation. I don't think Tyus is just going to be done for the year, just never plays again. He's just going to sit next to Tim Frazier the rest of the year and just enjoy watching basketball and getting paid to do it. But as far as everything else goes, I think there's going to be some more tinkering with how Justice plays because, as some people have pointed out, Desmond Bain doesn't shoot the ball as much and a few others with Justice running the point guard. There's going to have to be some more tinkering because that was the way we were killing people. Melt was getting his shots, Bain was getting his shots, and we were just demolishing the opposing bench. And now with this Justice, Justice Winslow experimentation is not happening as well. And now with Jaron going to the starting lineup, you're more than likely pushing Kyle Anderson to the bench, which is someone who isn't shooting the caliber that he was earlier this year. So that's you can't have that, especially with Justice, who still hadn't found his jump shot. That's two guys now that can't shoot to go with probably Brandon Clark, who's also struggling compared to last year. That's a lot to throw off. But we got to be patient. I don't think it's time for the pitchforks once the bench isn't scoring at the rate that it's been scoring at all year. It's going to take some time. And hopefully it's a small increment of time because the playoffs are, what, two, three weeks away? Yep. So, yeah, they got to figure it out and figure it out fast. That's the disadvantage of Jaron not being here most of the year because now you have to try to figure out how to play with essentially a brand-new team that hasn't been healthy for 60, 70 games of the season. Yeah. Uh, Ty is, is not job rant, but I think he has a very similar impact in the way that even when his shot is not falling, um, just his presence kind of elevates the play of his teammates on the court. He's got elite floor vision. Um, so even when those runners are not falling, he finds ways to – he maximizes his teammates when they're on the court. He gives them the shots and areas they want the ball. And it's not an accident that Desmond, Desmond Bain has only taken uh, three threes in the last three games with Justice Winslow being the backup point guard. There's no rhythm. There's no flow. There's no cohesion there. And Winslow does a great job of finding the roll man in the pick and roll, but he's also got tunnel vision on the roll man is something that I've noticed in his game. He's not really looking to kick out once he gets into those pick and roll situations. And teams are playing so far off of him because Lord knows he can't shoot right now, not whatsoever. And he's never been a particularly good finisher, or at least not as good as you think he'd be by looking right. at him. He's 6'8", he's big, he's physical, but he's never been particularly explosive. Um, he kind of shies away from contact, and so you'll see him throw up like a lot of wild, wild layup attempts. 
I'm just not sure he's the person you want as your primary ball handler on the court, but it's tough to use him as anything else right now when uh, I don't think there's a worse shooter from the wing in the NBA right now than Justice Winslow. If there is, I can't think of them off the top of my head. So it's difficult. And like, it really is um, because I'm not a big proponent of the idea that you must play a guy so that you can get the requisite data that you need to figure out what he's going to be for you going forward when you're in the midst of a playoff hunt. Now, I know making the playoffs may not have been your biggest priority coming into this season, but it'll be the second season in a row that you've been right there. It's about time where you just need to make it. You're right there. You're knocking on the door. You need to walk in the door now. And I'm just not a big fan of really upsetting the cohesion of the team at this late of a date this far into the season by taking a guy out of your rotation who I'll be honest, I'm not very high on Um, his shooting comes and goes. He hasn't been hitting his runners at the same clip that he did last year in Tyus Jones, but like that's a tough thing to swing at this late of a date in the season. So Winslow does have greater defensive value than Tyus. And we've seen that for stretches, but it's going to be interesting to see how well that second unit starts to function here over the next few weeks as we wind down the season. I'm going to blindly defend Justice Winslow. Granted, I have no evidence of this being the truth because I don't have that type of access at the moment. I'm going to say the reason he has tunnel vision on the roller is because he's focusing on making the play instead of the better play. He's mm-hmm. focusing on making what, exactly what Taylor Jenkins drew up and exactly what they draw up in practice instead of – whereas Tyus Jones, he just kind of makes the best play. He's going to freestyle a little bit. He's not going to just focus on, okay, this is the pick, hit the roller, move on. Don't mess the play up. Tyus Jones just doesn't have that type of fear because he knows if he messes up, okay, I'm not getting pulled. I know I tried to do something that was going to be the best version of that play. Whereas Justice, it's a new team. It's what, third or third or fourth week of really just playing with the Grizzlies now. Mm-hmm. He's still trying to get – he's still in that phase of not trying to mess up. So I think that's playing a role in how he's yep. developing off the picks and stuff. But everything else, like, yeah, Tyus Jones hasn't shot the ball well at all this year. I think he'd admit that. I think that's pretty obvious looking at the stat sheet. But there is not – I hate using this Warriors developed phrase of gravity that he has on the basketball court to where – third man. Once you're... he has the basketball, I hate using that term, but it, <laughs> it defines it well. Once he gets the basketball, everybody on the floor knows just be ready. Mm-hmm. If you're open, he's going to find you. And that's been his value all season. Even when Ja was hurt and he was in a starting lineup, like he may score two points, but he's going to have 11 assists because he's going to find an open man which is where in the playoffs, whether they're still using Justice as a point guard or not, he's going to have this value because eventually you're going to need to have guys make shots and make them in their spots. And Tyus Jones does an excellent job of doing that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Last thing. So we're still on the topic of rotations here. We don't got a whole lot of time left. But Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark now – 
I can only imagine how frustrating it is to be a dude who plays great basketball for three months and then just get told one night you're not going to be in the rotation anymore. It's essentially what happened to Tillman. I don't really remember a single game where I thought, man, Xavier Tillman doesn't have it or he was just flat out bad this year. I don't remember a single one. Um, I wish I could say the same about Brandon Clark. Um, He, for the last month, and I'm going to be fair in saying that I think he's hurt. I think he's very clearly hobbled on offense um, because he right now looks nothing resembling the player he was offensively as a rookie. Um, it, it hurts me to watch him move sometimes with the ball in his hands because it almost looks like he's moving gingerly. He's missing easy floaters in the lane that he made at a 60-plus percent clip as a rookie. Um, he's not giving them anything as a shooter. His jumper is falling apart. His free throw shooting is down. He's just really significantly regressed offensively in several different ways. And Xavier Tillman is a guy who can body up with more physical fours and fives and even can switch effectively onto the perimeter. I still remember that play of him ripping Chris Paul one-on-one on a switch back near the beginning of the season, the MLK game. That was just in a picture of what he can be on any given night. Do you think that the Grizzlies should consider not taking Clark out of the rotation but giving some of his minutes to Tillman, especially you who wants an 11-man rotation in and of itself? I think you kind of have to. Granted, this speaks to how well the Grizzlies have done in the draft and just evaluating talent that this is even a question. But I don't see how you can just bury Xavier Tillman Sr. at the end of the bench the way he's been playing. Mm-hmm. At the same – like, there's a lot of stuff you can put on Jaron and say, okay, this is why this isn't happening because Jaron's not out there. Whatever's going on with Brandon Clark, you can't necessarily put that on Jaron. A lot of this is just – I don't know if it's regression or just bad luck or whatever it is. He doesn't look like the player. We were buying for rookie of the year honors and sixth man of the year honors last year. I hate that because like Brandon Clark was really good last year, but this year he's just kind of been there and he doesn't pop off the screen in the way that he did last season. There's been flashes of it. Like there's some games like, okay, that looks like Brandon Clark, but it's been a lot of, a lot of long stretches where it's just, he's just kind of there. He's been the backup five and just kind of out there. Maybe with Jaron coming back, there's less Brandon Clark at the five, even though that's probably more of the future role for him with the Grizzlies, unless Jonas Valanciunas does what Molnax wants, him being the backup five of the future. But outside of that, like Brandon Clark, I think he'll figure it out, especially once we we're finally at a fully healthy team. So now everyone's role is going to be a little more defined. But as of now, I don't see how you bury Xavier Tillman. Yep. I don't, I don't know how you can either. And I, I'm not, you're not defined by your worst stretch of play. And Brandon Clark, I think, will have some, at least some semblance of a return to form before the season is over. Not saying that he's not a, core, a member of the future core or that he needs to be cut entirely out of the rotation. But it, it, it is a little bit problematic to me when you've got a guy who's played so well for so long and you just toss him to the side while the guy who's really filling in his role is really struggling right now. And maybe Clark just needs to get healthy. Maybe he just needs to sit out for a week or two. Don't list him as DNPs on the on the report uh, after game report or anything like that. Just say he's out. Uh, we I mean, have- if he's if he's hurt at this point, 
can Grizzlies fans really complain? Like we've we've sat through a season where we've seen seven guys on an injury report. One guy popping up on an injury report is not the end of the world. Exactly. Let him sit for a week. If he if, if he's hurt, list whatever he's hurt. It's not exactly. And, and you know they we know they've had no problems listing phantom soreness on the injury report. And just say he got up out of the wrong side of the bed one morning. That'll be enough to be on the injury report. <laughs> Like, some people think there's this mass conspiracy. Oh, they're not competing. They're not doing this, that, and the other. It's a long season, man, and it's a condensed season, and they're playing the most back-to-backs out of anybody. I don't blame the Grizzlies on anything they've done, especially with Jaron Jackson Jr. is someone who has two bad knees and recovered the same way they've had him recovering. They've done it right from my perspective. Yep. It'll be interesting to see how well they've done it right and how that'll look as the rest of this season ends up progressing. Bryce, I think that's all the time we got here for today. Why don't you plug your stuff, man? Um, yeah, man. Follow me on Twitter at NXT Prodigy. Uh, follow uh, Elite Media. I just started a football podcast with them. Check Fade podcast. Released our first episode. I guess it's not coming out. It came out today, the day we recorded this podcast, so probably yesterday or day after yesterday sure. when you finally hear it. Yeah, follow that, follow that. Um, like Nathan said, positivity on the timeline, have a positive out- outlook on life. Don't dwell on the negative stuff. Y'all be blessed, man. For sure. Um, you could find me on Twitter at NathanChester24. I would say don't cancel me, but I think it's too late for that. Um, <laughs> but you can find all my Grizzlies related content also on grizzlybearblues.com. Bryce, I'll let you do the honors in the closeout. Hey, man. Um, it's the thing. It's the thing. You know, I know you haven't forgot the thing. I've, I've forgotten the thing. It's been that's a all, folks. Oh, uh, yeah, that's all, folks. <laughs>